You're listening to Ants Talk. My next guest is a five-time world record adventurer who puts himself in near-death experiences as a giant social experiment. Welcome to the show, Richard Bowles. Richard, how are you? So I'm, I'm great. Even, even better now I've heard that introduction. That makes me sound <laughs> like I'm, I'm invincible or something, which is well, far from the truth. Who knows? You might be. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't been injured yet. <laughs> well, you're still alive anyway. You're here to tell the story. So tell us about your five world records. Five world records. And that sounds impressive, doesn't it? When people say that, and uh, it just blows me, blows me away, really. Look, I, um, I set out on some adventures back in 2012. Uh, after having a, a long and successful sales corporate career. Um, and uh, I basically, I ran the length of the Great Divide and Range here, here in Australia. Wow. Which is almost, well, it's almost five and a half thousand kilometers. So it's huge, right? It's massive. And I wasn't really a, a, a runner and I wasn't an adventurer. I was a corporate sales guy, right? <laughs> but I just had this, this idea that I wanted to, well, I had this idea once when I was going out for some morning exercise and I thought to myself, what would happen if I just didn't stop today? Where, where would I end up? You know, what sort of things would, would, would I see? And, and, and that sort of played on my mind for a long, 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 long time. And then I just, I just took some action on it one, one day. And I thought, well, if I'm, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it off, off road. And so I started searching all these long distance trails around the world. And it just so happens we have one here called the Bicentennial National Trail of Australia. As I say, it's only five and a half thousand kilometers long. Wow. Starts in Hillsville down here in Victoria, where I'm, I'm based, and finishes in Cooktown in far north Queensland. <laughs> so it's the length of the Great Divide Range. Um, and uh, so that was kind of the first, my first adventure. I completed that in about five, five months, ran an average of a marathon a day in the wilderness, carrying most of my own equipment on, on my back. And, uh, and that's what led into the the next four, which are kind of similar, but just been in different places around the world in all sorts of crazy uh, areas and, and some amazing, well, not amazing, but some kind of scary situations I've got myself into along, along the way. So the longest I've done is, is five and a half thousand kilometers. The, short, the shortest I've done is just over a thousand kilometers. <laughs> that just sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? The shortest. It's <laughs> just under. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, I've done that, say, from, from in Australia, Israel, across the, the deserts there. Um, I've been to Sumatra, ran around an exploding volcano. <laughs> um, and then more recently, at the end of uh, last year, I, I spent two weeks uh, pulling a rickshaw. So it was a hand-pulled rickshaw wallow, they called. So people out there have probably heard of a, um, an auto rickshaw or a cycle rickshaw. But basically, uh, in Calcutta, in India, uh, these guys pull them by, by foot. So yeah, basically, yeah. they're pulling a two-seater cart around the city, uh, around the city by foot. Um, so I spent two weeks, uh, sorry, a week um, in Kolkata, mi- mirroring their lives, sleeping on the streets, eating on the sleep- streets, and trying to earn two two dollars a day to survive as a handful of rickshaw waller. <laughs> My God! And this is the kind of the stuff that I do do now. And some, uh, you know, some people call me an an adventurer. I don't really like the term. I don't. I don't think that I'm really this amazing adventurer. Um, Some people really, call you crazy. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, of course they do. I mean, there's, 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 people, there's people sitting there now thinking, this guy is a loon. And, and I, I agree. Um, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a normal thing, is it, to, uh, to go and put yourself in some of these... Uh, so I have so many questions already. No, quickly, go. So you weren't really into exercise before. 
No. But were you into exercise? <laughs> well, I exercise. But not to, to that it. extent. No. I mean, I, I used to run 10 kilometres a day. And that to yeah. me was... Wow, that's impressive. Though. Yeah, that was... Yeah. I, I was impressed myself. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, that for me was a challenge, let me tell you. Yeah. Now, you're doing probably 10, 20, 30 times that each day. How does that work? How, did you build up to that? Did you, or did you yeah. just go out there and do it? Well, both to, to okay. some degree. So, as I say, I, I was keeping fit, right? I was trying to keep my weight down. I actually yeah. got quite, quite a, a big lad being in the corporate sales game, you know, taking clients out for, for food and drinks and all the fun stuff. <laughs> um, so, I was actually just trying to keep, keep fit. And running was a, a big part of that. Now, I had done a half marathon and a marathon. Uh, maybe two two marathons at that stage, but I had no idea I could if I could run a marathon a day in the wilderness trying to survive. Right? Yeah. And anybody that's trained for any kind of event, particularly the marathon event, knows that you in training you probably build up to run about eighty percent, if not ninety percent, of the whole distance. Thing is, you can't train up to run five and a half thousand kilometers. You can't just go out and say, "I'm going to run four, four and a half thousand just to see if I can run five and a half thousand. Yeah, and it just doesn't work like that. So it was just a massive gamble on my part. I didn't really, I didn't really overthink it. I just thought, "This is what I'm going, going to go and do," and I just went off and did it. And how how did you support yourself financially while you're doing it? Well, that's when my sales um, skills came into into right. into hand there. You see, because I was able to to get funded and sponsored. Oh, that's uh, cool. And make a documentary along the way. So um, I was quite fortunate in, in that regard. I mean, I took five months off pretty much out of my life to go and do this thing. And where do you go to the oh. toilet when you're running? Well, anywhere you like. In the wilderness. <laughs> that's the beautiful thing about it, right? You don't even, you don't even need to move off the trail. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> I love that. That's how it works. So what drives you to this adventurous life? Yeah, well, now my work. I mean, my work is I, I sit down with a whole bunch of psychological experts and we, I go off and do these experiences now and, um, and, and pretty much put myself into pretty risky or hazardous situations. I mean, living on the streets of India is pretty, is pretty hazardous, you know, in terms of sickness and uh, there was thieves and sleeping with rats and that kind of stuff. Did you document then, that one? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. In the process of just... Oh, um, I, love, I, can't, I, I want to see that one. Yeah, there's some fun stuff. I'm fascinated um, by it, yeah. You know, and then, and then the, the, the other things I've done, you know, I, I, when I was crossing the deserts of uh, Israel, there's missiles flying over, overhead. Yeah. That was pretty crazy. And then I, uh, I suffered with really bad foot, foot, uh, foot, foot infection. I forget my words out, it's happening. Um, that uh, that landed, landed me up in hospital. Where, and they said pretty much this is close to having amputation. Like it's wow. pretty full on. Um, here, here in Australia, I crossed the Daintree by, by foot, the Daintree River. I think everybody knows what that's famous for. <laughs> um, and I also had a, a, an angry farmer shove a shotgun in my mouth and tell me he was going to blame my effing oh brains out. That's it. So all these experiences is, is now what I, I sit down with the experts with. And what, what we do is we, we analyze those. And then we really, and then we sort of, I guess, um, we flip that in and validate that with uh, psychology and, uh, and neuroscience. And then we come up with, with the strategies that I've used to overcome the extremes and we tailor it into, into corporates. Mm. Uh, 
and tell people how they can be resilient and be courageous and all that. Because I also know that you've encountered stuff like volcano eruptions, crocodile-infested rivers, desert war zones, and many more crazy situations. How how does a normal person deal with this sort of stuff if you've never dealt with it before? (laughs) Well, I am a normal person. That's what you got to remember. I am a normal, everyday person. I'm not super. I'm not superhero. Um, well, look, the, the interesting thing about, I guess, it, 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 it actually relates more than people think it does. Mm. Because what I've, what, I've, what I've learned is that from my, my sales career and some of the other businesses I've started and, and sold, and this adventurous, I guess, life and it's the experience that I, and that, and I now do, the, the challenge of overcoming the, the hazards and the, the scary situations and the fears, how you overcome them is exactly the same. Mm. The, the, only di- the only difference is in an extreme environment, environment the, it's put on steroids. Yeah. So it just highlights the moment where the, the, the crooks of where you tip over and you make a decision either to step into that, that situation or step back from that situation. Um, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, as I say, it's on steroids and it's highlighted. So it just, it, it just makes me eat. It makes it easier for me to understand that actually how I overcome that stuff. Mm-hmm. As back in my, my career days, I, you just used to come across challenges and situations and not really know how yeah, to move through, through them or if you didn't move through them. Yeah. So it really, this is, has a, it's the same. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound the same. It's just, it is exactly the same, but it just comes with a more entertaining and more fun approach. Yeah. What's the most dangerous situation you've found yourself in? Many. Um, and I think maybe the, the shotgun guy. I mean, once one puts a shotgun in your mouth in the yeah. middle of nowhere and actually... Where, where was that? Here in Australia, up in far north Queensland. Wow. No comment. Well, <laughs> hello. I'm, I'm a Queenslander originally. I get it. <laughs> yeah, okay, there you go. Yeah. Actually, you look familiar. No. <laughs> sound familiar. Hey, listen, I have all my teeth. When someone puts a shotgun in your mouth in the world, in the middle of nowhere, I mean, I've not seen anybody for a week at this point, and, and shouts the words at you, I'm going to blow your effing brains out. I mean, that is, that's, that's, that's a moment. And was this because uh, you were on his land or something? Well, look, that's, that's, what, that's what he said. Look, I, I, he lived in, a, in this kind of lean-to shack in the woods, basically. Look, I don't... Uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I believe that he's probably hiding something else. Um, yeah. It could be drug. It could be drug related. Um, I didn't ask questions at that point. <laughs> so that <laughs> wasn't a, that wasn't a toilet stop. <laughs> that was yeah, was a toilet stop right right there. Right, that's the right thing. You know, and this and that's funny. It's funny you bring that up because you know it's it brings us back to the start where you said what what sort of norm, normal person kind of does this stuff and. And I, and I don't enjoy exercise and I'm not passionate about exercise and people go, that's crazy. You're not passionate about running and you get, you've run thousands of kilometers all over the world. And I go, no, I'm not passionate about it. And my point there is that you can't be, you, you can have all the passion in the world until someone shoves a shotgun in your mouth and tells you you're going to blow your brains out. Yeah. And that passion trickles down the back of your leg. So passion doesn't actually drive, passion doesn't drive you forward. Passion yeah. doesn't work. Passion is like motivation. It's it's only good when it's there. When it's not, it's not there. You struggle. So, do you keep fitness in your life though each day as a daily thing to be able to go out and do these things? 
or have the passion for it. Well, no. So do you exercise every day to keep your oh, fitness levels up? Yeah, I do exercise yeah, every, yeah. every day because I know it makes me feel better and be, yeah. and be a better person. But that doesn't mean that I'm, I love going and doing events and yeah. into crazy ultramarathons and stuff. I've just got no interest. Well, I don't know. I'm just more imagining a person that likes to be on the couch <laughs> most of the day and then go, yeah, I do. Okay, if tomorrow. I could, if I couldn't, I would be. <laughs> I, struggle, I struggle to get out the door every day. Right. Oh, that's that's actually hard. I like that because that's me every day. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, there's nothing there's nothing enjoyable about about it, right? Yeah, like, I think anyone that says they enjoy exercise is lying. <laughs> yeah, I agree. No, I totally agree with that. I think the other. I think I think what people get confused with is that they what what they don't understand is that what they love is the outcome of, of exercise. Yeah, exactly. Everybody, no, I don't think anybody puts on their shoes and for the whole time they're running, go, this is amazing, I love this, I love this, yeah, I love yeah, this. Yeah. When is it over? When is it over? When is it over? Hate yeah. this, hate this. When is it over? When is it over? I'm more like, Finish, now, yes. These days I'm more like, are these knees going to last the next? <laughs> 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 now, I also know that you offer your expertise in human responses to critical situations, to organisations, for them to gain a competitive advantage. Tell us more about that. Yeah, you did, that didn't sound like you read that off a script at all, did I it? didn't at all. Um, it came straight out <laughs> of my brain. <laughs> Someone might have told you that, then. Um, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's what I do now. I take all these extremes, like the shotgun experience, as I said before, and I've, and I've analysed that and we've delved into it and with, with, the, with the experts and, and we, pulled that, we pulled that apart and come, out, come up with strategies and tools and ideas about how to overcome those challenging situations or moments of fear or uh, complex situations, because that's exactly what, what they are. Um, mm. So that's what we, we teach now. I used to, uh, well, I, I was doing a lot of keynote speaking before the current crisis, right? So now I'm doing more of this kind of stuff like I'm doing with you, but to organizations and uh, not having an interview, but uh, teaching them some strategies that they can use to, to get through the, the current climate. Yeah, this climate, this current climate's a, <laughs> Interesting. a real um, challenge for everybody, I think. Topic by itself. Yeah. Do you feel businesses do better if they can face chaos and still keep their heads above water? Yeah, I mean, any, any, anybody does, right? I mean, you've got to be able to, you've got to be, to, to, to manage external chaos, what you need to do is you need internal order. Mm. So really to, to, to work through the current, crisis you you it's not about the crisis because there's nothing you can do about it right no. unless, you, unless you have the vaccine there's nothing you can do about it so what so you have to just control what it, what is within your control and that's and that's of course you right so you need to manage that that internal chaos and give it some order then you can have some clarity of what's actually going on and you can be proactive mm. um a, a lot of people in this current environment are obviously in a huge amount of fear and a huge amount of uncertainty, and, and that's understandable. We we all are, um, but you have to be able to control your emotions because if you don't control your emotions, you get you just lose focus. Yeah. You become so overwhelmed that you can't carry out the fundamentals of life. That's why people have struggled to exercise and struggled to get some sort of schedule in their in their in their day at, at, at home, you know, because they're just lost in this, this cloud of emotions. 
So yeah. if you can learn how to control your emotions in any given situation, it gives you a huge amount of clarity. And with that cl- clarity, you get confidence. And with confidence, you get courage. And then you can be more solutions focused, innovative and creative and trying to figure out what you're going to do, do next to be able to move forward. Mm. Funny enough, like speaking to a lot of my friends, I get a lot of them contacting me going, are you okay? How are you coping? And I'm like, I'm fine, actually. Like I wake up every day. I have a routine by five o'clock, five thirty in the afternoon. I'm thinking to myself, that day flew because I'm always keeping myself busy. I can always find something to do where so many of my friends, their whole routine has just gone out the window. And as we were talking before, um, people are drinking a lot more. That's then changing the whole day for them. Then they're waking up tomorrow with a hangover. That then changes the next day for them. What guidance would you offer people that may not even be in business? But some advice to people that are just listening, like my listeners who can... So uh, going through this period and absolutely freaking out. Well, structure. structure. Definitely structure. Yeah. Definitely structure. You need to have structure. You need, you need to put order inside the chaos. Yeah, I agree. Because that gives you something to stand on. That, gives you, that actually gives you some certainty in, in, in uncertainty. Because mm. you, know you, know, you know what you're doing next. It's like, I know, I know how my day is going to pan out because I put some sort of structure in there. Yeah, um, and that's something that was a good insight actually from the uh, the, the rickshaw pulling project that I did, um, because those guys that live on two two dollars a day on the streets are very very structured in their day to day stuff. Like things happen at certain times every single day, and no matter what day of the week it is or what happens externally, those things don't don't change. Mm. Now they're very simple things for those guys because um, they're having to cook food and wash. <laughs> and get to the train station to pick up fares. And that sounds pretty straightforward, and it is. But the day I woke up and I said, I can't be bothered to wash today. Like, I've slept on the streets. I'm about to pull a rickshaw in the streets with car fumes, <laughs> pollution, yeah. and just dirt of, it, of uh, India. And the guy I was with was like, nah, what's, what's wrong with you? Like, you have to go and wash. It's 4 a.m., that's what you do. You go and wash. And I'm like, I'm going to get dirty anyway, dude. <laughs> I was like, no, but that's, that's what you, ha- you have to do. And I was kind of saying, well, why? And he goes, because you won't get another opportunity today. And it's critical when you're living on the streets that you stay clean because you can't afford to get sick. You know what I mean? Like they, so everything is like that. The, way, the yeah. time they cook their meals and, if the, and the head guy can't cook the meals and someone else to cook the meals at that, at that time. Um, and really what they were, they were telling me is that, that anything in, on, on the streets can, can happen. Any mm. kind of chaotic moment can happen at the drop, drop of a hat. And if we haven't done the fundamental mentals at that point they ain't going to happen when you're in poverty like that you're going to die very very quickly if you don't get the fundamentals straight so they're very 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 structured so that's a really good bit of advice to bring into our homes right right now if you like your beauty products to stand out look a little different and smell amazing then i'm pretty sure you should check out sugar monster Brand new and completely Adelaide-based, Sugar Monster Scrubs are natural body products with a quirky style to them. You'll have to see to know why. All completely handmade, vegan and cruelty-free with skin-loving ingredients that your body will love. Plus, they smell good enough to eat. But don't actually do that. Check out the range at sugarmonster.com.au and support local business. It's so easy at the moment to sort of sit here day by day in isolation and go okay, well, I'll get some TV and I'll have a shower and 
hope that tomorrow is a little bit different. And I think that what a lot of people are, are doing are we're living that day by day life. And I think at the moment yeah. we also need to really look at long term stuff because this could be long term. We could be indoors for months. And I think that it's important to start to plan stuff because I was even talking to someone and they mentioned about writing a book and I was like, that's the sort of stuff that we need to start thinking about. All those things that we dreamed of doing, like writing a book or learning a language or whatever it may be, they're the sort of things we need to focus on because they're going to be long-term. We're definitely going to have the time to do them. Well, there's, many, there's many things you can, you can be doing, right? And it, look, it really depends what position you're in too. Mm. Um, because people do, I still got work to do, unfortunately, for some people <laughs> like myself, you know, I'm Not still me. working. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got the podcast, but, um, yeah, no, my work's gone. <laughs> well, you go. There's a book, there's a book right there then, isn't there? Exactly. Exactly. For you. Now, what, uh, what would you tell business owners who are trying to continue during the crisis at, that we're facing at the moment? What would be the first steps you would advise? I mean, it's a profound thing to think about, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's going to depend ultimately what business you're in or what, you know, segment of the market you're in or the or the, even the position you're in within an organisation, really, to know the exact next steps to take. Um, but let's just go back to what we said before and just making sure there's some sort of structure. Yeah. Um, there's, there's fundamentals in a business that have to happen, so you have to make sure they still happen. Um Regardless, right? Mm. Um, you know, because what's happened to a lot of sales teams at the moment I'm speaking to is that they are obviously just going, well, no, nobody's buying, but that's not really the thought process you need to have because ultimately to survive, you still have to make some sort of sales. So you've got to yeah. still do the fundamentals, right, every, every single day. But I think, you know, if, if you're going to do anything in this, in this current climate, it's a good opportunity to work on yourself. It's really, I think you need to really work internally so you can then sort of take action externally um because really we're we're our biggest obstacle in anything that happens mm. I mean, if you think about the crisis right, right now and and all the worries and the fears that you have they're all about you yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? they're all about you so really you need to to work on those those things um and just clean that up and then you say you you, you have a lot more clarity and, and confidence in, in, what, in what you're trying to achieve. You know, you can really have a, a more of a helicopter look, a bird's eye view, let's say, of what's going on and, uh, and then you can strategically make the right moves versus thinking about what is next, what do I do next, do I do this, do I do that? Yeah. Um, you know, you've really got to work on yourself because it's you that's, it's only you that's going to pull your business through this, exactly. this crisis. I mean, I really feel for people in retail because they, they seem to be the ones that are really, and also cafes, restaurants, that are really affected at the moment um, because a lot of places are still able to work and still able to function and also still make money where these, you know, these places have been told that they need to close down. You know, they've got staff that they've had to sort of either lay off or you know, put off to the side for, for the moment. They're having to still think about paying rent for the premises they're not making any money physically. And I think it's really essential in these times to really think outside the square and to try and change things. I mean, as much as you can. I mean, thankfully now the restaurants are doing the takeaway service where people can yeah. just turn up, grab the food and leave without actually having to do it there. And I think the same thing has to happen in retail. I know that I do some work for a brand called Mecca, which is a makeup brand. 
and they've got retail stores all through Australia. And I know at the moment what they're doing is even just doing um, online sort of services where you basically go for a walk around the shop with someone that's got expertise in the field that you're looking at. So if you are looking for new makeup, this person will go around the shop with you and tell you about products, have, you know, have the the camera there with them. So you're basically doing it like you're standing in the store anyway. And it's those little things that I think are really making a difference in this time at the moment to change the way that we think about how we conduct business. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's look, you know, uh, that's that idea of, you know, takeaways and stuff, you know, the, the, not everybody thought like that. They just copied everybody else who, yeah, who originally yeah, exactly. thought like that. Yeah. Because you mentioned there before about thinking outside of the box. And this is what happens when we're in a crisis or, um, or a situation that's very challenging or fearful or even uncertain is that you can't think outside of the box mm. because you're clad in, in, in around your own crap, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's important that you work on yourself because then you can go straight into solutions mode. And this is what people struggle with within, within organizations is that when they're hit with a crisis or a challenge, they can't go straight into solutions mode. And that's what you need to do. Yeah. Straight into solutions mode. And to do that, you need to be able to absorb what's going on and, uh, and, and control it. I mean, it doesn't mean you get rid of the uncertainty and the fears and the anxiousness and all the things that I still feel in my, my business right, right now, but I have a way of control, controlling it. When I can control it, I, have a, 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 I can now use it to my, my advantage. Yeah. Uh, like if we go back to any, any of these adventures that, that I do, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly, in a, constantly feeling anxious on the moment it starts, the moment it, it, it Finishes. So in India, that was a whole week. Yeah. In the Great Divide and Range Trail, that was a, that was five months. of feeling anxious, right? <laughs> but that can be a good thing, right? This, because, and I should feel anxious. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm in the I'm in the wilderness. I don't know if I'm yeah. going to make it to the day. I'm going to die. There's a lot, bunch of stuff that can happen, and did happen. But um, when you can control something like anxiety, it, it's actually a good thing. I think it, it can it gives you focus. Yeah. Very attentive when you've when you've got anxiety. Like it really, you can really zone in on stuff and be quite um, detailed in your approach to stuff. You know, it's almost like when you've got people sometimes are motivated by fear. You know, it's the same kind of thing. It's like if you can control it, like don't get swamped by your fear. But yeah. fear can make you do some unbelievable stuff. I mean, some of your best work comes out when you've got a massive amount of fear behind you. No, it's very true because I mean, I think too that. Having that, the anxiety or even just a little bit of fear, it also gives you almost peripheral vision. So not only are you seeing the things coming at you, but you also are looking for anything else that may arise. At, yeah, at the opportunities. Time. Yeah. Opportunities that always arise in chaos. There's always opportunity in chaos. Exactly. Funny enough, going back to the restaurant thing, I've got a friend of mine who did think that a little bit further. So had a restaurant, had to close, started doing the takeout service, wasn't making enough money or getting, you know, people coming through that way, started doing delivery. And then he just thought outside the box and decided that he was going to sell the food that he packs up each day into these ready, you know, take home meals. He's now sold them to a supermarket. So now because the supermarkets are absolutely booming, he's now got his food in supermarkets, which he hadn't done before anyway. So, you know what I mean? There's another opportunity for him when hopefully this all changes. 
Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're, out, they're out there. You just can't see them when, you, when you're clouding, right? Exactly. That's the thing. You just can't get to see them. So you just need to be able to rise above yourself so you can, you know, take advantage of the, the opportunities. They're always lying there. You know, this yeah. is the crazy. What I find amazing about chaos is that there's actually order within it. It's just that you can't see it because you, it's, almost like, it's almost like if um, you're watching a game of football, which you're not going to see for a while, unfortunately. But if you're watching a game of football and you only focus on, on the ball, you have no idea what's ha- happening. You have to zoom out and look at the whole, the whole game to see what's ha- happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you can't, no, just, you can't just focus on it like that because you just can't, you can't see what's ha- happening. So you need to sort of, as I said before, have that bird's eye view of, of, of what, what's going on. And then you see that there's actually some order within the chaos. You no, just can't do that when yeah, you're yeah. close to it. Exactly. Now, Richard, tell um, the listeners where they can find out more about you. I'm, I'm really easy to find. <laughs> Tinder. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. I feel the partner. I've all these people now swiping. <laughs> um, well, I hope so. Uh, uh, I just put uh, my name, Richard Bowles, into, into Google and my, my website and my links and stuff come up. There's a whole bunch of stuff you'll find on there. Um, my surname's spelled B-O-W-L-E-S, like Camilla Parker Bowles. I was, I was actually going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Any re- relation? No, I'm, di- I'm disappointed. I didn't get a, an invite to uh, the wedding, you know, and oh, Harry really? got married. So, um, you know, who knows? But no, I'm not. Um, but yeah, Richard Bowles, B-O-W-L-E-S. I love it. Well, Richard, thank you so much for your time and coming on to the show and telling us more about your adventures find them absolutely fascinating please let me know when you do release the um rickshaw thing i'd really love to see it yeah yeah just currently in, in the making of that, that one um, that sounds amazing just a few uh, a few uh hoops we have to jump through and some uh, some paperwork stuff we have to get sorted out but uh, other than that we should be all good to go hopefully probably the second half of this year we hope but um always comes down to the money doesn't it well it does but and also at least now you've got the time <laughs> <laughs> All right, Richard, thanks so much for the chat. I appreciate it. All right, bless. Thank you. Ants Talk. It's like Oprah, but not.